Welcome to The Culture Shift. We want this podcast to empower you as leaders to make impactful change in your workplace. I'm Vicky Bars, and I specialize in transforming organizations through equity, diversity, and inclusion initiatives. In each episode, we'll delve deep into the fascinating world of workplace culture. Join me as I sit down with an array of incredible guests, including members of our very own Culture Shift team and industry experts. Through these thought-provoking conversations, we aim to equip you with the knowledge, tools, and inspiration you need to drive positive change in your workplace. Whether it's breaking down barriers, thinking about how you include a more diverse workforce, or fostering a culture of collaboration and belonging, we've got you covered. So let's dive straight into an episode. Thank you for joining us on another episode of The Culture Shift. I'm really pleased to be joined by Yvonne Alozi Obi. We're going to be talking about finding joy at work and all the ways in which that's important through psychological safety, through our relationships with our employees and our employers, and thinking about how we understand growth and a fixed mindset and how we find the things at work that give us joy. So hi Yvonne, thanks for joining us. If you could leave a little bit of an introduction to yourself and what you do for our listeners. Hi Vicky, um, I'm Yvonne uh, and I moved to London very recently actually, January of 2023. Uh, so my current day job is I work in a bank as a diversity and inclusion specialist and director but I also work as an executive and performance coach within the bank as well and outside of the bank I'm a PhD candidate and my research really focuses on brain-friendly learning, uh, flow, well-being, and self-reflection. Um, what else do I do, really? Wow, that was such a dry introduction. Not at all. But <laughs> I think just generally more about me. I have been doing diversity and inclusion work for about five years now. Mm-hmm. Um, been also training as a career coach. I have probably worked with over three different boot camps that develop tech skills for people from diverse backgrounds. Um, been doing that for about five years as well, um, and then just upskilled myself to be more of a leadership and executive coach at the moment, and really found my calling in research and really enjoying all of the organizational psychology stuff that I research on. Fantastic, so, yeah. and that's perfect for what we're going to be talking about today, isn't it? So. Yes. Um, obviously the topic that we are addressing here today is around finding joy at work and um, could you talk a bit briefly about what are the benefits of experiencing joy at work and why we'd want to? Yeah, it, this is such an interesting topic because um, when I was, I have this newsletter that I send out once every two weeks and I decided to kind of like segment the topics that I'll be focusing on and one of them is actually called joy at work. And this came to me because I realized that in my own career, I, fi- I found that I worked specifically to engineer my life to experience joy at work, but there were just so many factors involved um, and so many benefits involved as well. And in the line of my work and research, one of the key benefits of joy at work is really increased productivity. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of research just kind of like designed to actually show the evidence there. I mean, Harvard Business School conducted a research and one of the things that they saw was that 
employees who are happier experience that 1% more productivity than those who aren't, right? Um, and then there is the increased employer retention. Mm -hmm. And there's also research from the Society of Human Resource Management that also show that employees who experience joy at work are 48% more likely to stay within the organization than those who don't. Um, that's such a huge yeah, difference, isn't that's it? that's such a huge difference. And there's even decreased absenteeism as well. Um, more research from Gallup also shows that, in fact, employees who have more joy at work at their that's 7% more less likely to be absent, to experience absenteeism mm. from work. And you might think, oh, okay, so this is all about the employees as well, um, but what does it do for your customers? What does it do for your clients? There's actual research that actually links um, employee happiness to customer satisfaction as well. Mm. Um, so it's not just important for your employees to experience joy at work. The ripple effect also shows in your customer experience um, and even in your bottom line really because the more you're able to retain your employees the less your turnover when it comes to actually employee turnover and how much money you're actually spending in hiring more employees as yeah. well recruitment costs are recruitment phenomenal costs. and a huge part of um you know organizations budget when it comes to turnover challenges as well isn't it and i think it's like listening to you speak there thinking about like what's the opposite of joy at work and the opposite of joy at work is either like coasting or misery right <laughs> and like those two things are um such a sad state of affairs and we deal in the sort of um sort of coasting or misery side of, of work quite a lot um at culture shift thinking about kind of responding to culture damaging behaviors and you know, the idea of thinking not just about preventing those things from happening, not just about stopping people from feeling miserable at work or stopping people from feeling that they can't show up to work and feeling safe at work, those really basic needs, but actually getting to a point where they wake up and they want to be at work, they feel happy and excited to be contributing to whatever's happening that day. Like that is, um, you know, it, it, in and of itself, like all of those statistics around um, productivity and, and, and like good business sense are important but also like isn't it just nice for people to be able to feel that way like that feels me with a lot of joy personally mm -hmm. yeah. and you find that people are able to also take that joy from work into their personal lives mm. um, because people spend a lot of time at work and I mean in a day you're already spending eight hours minus the commute mm -hmm. um, and you're spending a lot of time with your colleagues you're spending a lot of time and if you're not able to derive joy from there you're going to be passive aggressive and you're going to constantly transfer that aggression um, and resentment to other parts of your life as well uh, so joy at work is just it's it's very important not just because you want to feel connection to your work but because you also want to experience a happier life yeah in general and, and actually like that point around resentment like it can really fester can if you're fester. not happy in your tasks or in your interpersonal relationships at work like that can have such a huge knock-on effect on the people around you as well and like misery spreads right like it's actually <laughs> like it's it's infectious and like if you are having a bad day it's so easy for that to have a knock-on effect with someone else and so really thinking about how we foster like happiness is just like 
pivotal, I think, for creating communities where people can feel um, happy and comfortable at work. And that's not to say, like, everyone has to be, like, pretending to be happy, you know, like the Lego movie style, like, <laughs> fake happiness. Um, yeah, but then it's awesome. Um, I love that film, by the way. <laughs> it's, like, one of my favourite references. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's not to say that everyone has to, like, pretend everything's okay, because there will be things that will be challenging and difficult and hard. But it's about, sort of, like, being able to come up those with resilience, right? And if you're experiencing pockets of joy, at least, mm-hmm. at work, if you feel um, that you're of your particular needs and basic needs are being met at work then you will be more likely to be able to address those challenges and those failures and those things that might be harder for you to take on at work with yeah like you say resilience I think is Mm -hmm. is key there yeah um I I also think that even definitely you want people to be authentic at work Mm -hmm. um so people sometimes also have to you have to also give people some of the tools and resources that they need to continue to cultivate joy. Um, as an employer, you definitely want to make sure there's psychological safety. You want to be able to measure that through and through. I've worked with organizations where there is actually a metric for making sure that their psychological, their psychological safety, whether it's um, reducing or increasing, and what are the potential issues, right? So that can be measured through employee surveys. Mm. Um, but as much as there is psychological safety on the side, you also want to give people tools um, to tap into positive psychology interventions, right? So that they don't always have to feel that, oh, I'm expected to be happy, but what if I'm just not happy? Like, what can I do? And that's when you're actually equipping people with what they need. And if you're teaching people gratitude, if you're teaching people um, how to affirm themselves, if you're teaching people resilience, if you're teaching people how to have a these two shall pass attitude, if you're teaching people how to connect with their values, how to self-reflect, how to take pauses, um, how to actually conduct work values as well. Because sometimes people's values, personal values and work values are not just aligning with the situation they're in. Mm. And if they don't know how to assess that, or if they don't know how to reflect on that, they may just not know the root of their problems. Um, So yeah, equipping people with the tools that they actually need to start thinking about their well-being holistically is actually helpful in addition to psychological safety as well. Yeah. And it's sort of thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's like making sure those basic needs are met, right? Mm-hmm. So you can move up the triangle and you can start to help people to kind of build better self-esteem and to actualize into things they want to be doing. So mm-hmm. helping people pro- progress through their career, I guess, is one of those things. And also celebrating success, mm-hmm. right? I think a big part of um, why I love working at Culture and one of the things we do well is we really celebrate each other we celebrate the small things and we celebrate the big things and we're like quite insistent on it um and it feels it it just feels nice to have that collective like joy and that collective celebration of like this has gone well and it can be basically things like someone helped me fetch the shopping from downstairs Mm -hmm. all the way up to like someone got an award or someone's you know completed a massive project and it's sort of that collective celebration is for me like one of the ways in which I really love that we we do joy at work yeah Um, basic needs are so important like there's lots of study that actually show that job security is very closely tied to people's happiness at work. Mm. And so making sure that, you know, you're paying fairly, you're meeting people's basic needs. And then, like you said, just kind of like move up 
um, the ladder from there, making sure that you're meeting people's psychological needs. Do people actually feel um, a sense of belonging? Do they feel valued? Do they feel respected? Mm. Um, are their esteem needs met at work as well? Um, these are some of the things employers can actively think about. And then the other part of what you said as well, self-actualization, helping people advocate for themselves, empowering them to, um, but also intentionally providing opportunities for them to talk through their goals, their career challenges with their mm. managers, right? So, I mean, there's some part on people as well, the role they have to play. And that's where we come back to equipping people with the tools, like encourage people enough to grow and then, you know, learn more. And that's where personal development and growth yeah. mindset come from. Mm-hmm. Um, the more you kind of like, teach on the power of the growth mindset the more your employees are able to see things as an opportunity to grow and are able to think through okay what could be the next step for me what do i need to learn on what do i need to improve um what is this trying to teach me and you can see them actively moving from a place of feeling stagnant or stuck to a place where they're actually experiencing authenticity, bringing their best selves to work and ultimately just cultivating that joy at work as well. Yeah, and listening to you speak there, one of the things I was thinking about was um, sometimes that growth mindset might mean that the person leaves the organization Mm. because they've outgrown the organization, like where they, like, you know, we work in mostly hierarchical setups in in a lot of businesses and companies and public sector or any kind of workplace tends to have some level of hierarchy. And if people want to progress in their career, they may reach a limit within that organization. And actually, I think there's something really beautiful about really being really honest with people about whether or not that's the place for them to stay and where they can move on to. And I think that like for me, really shows that the interest is in you as a person not just entirely in the company mm-hmm. and and that like kind of investment in um, and support of someone to you know find where the next kind of phase of work for them is and how that might might go about achieving that whether or not that's inside the organization I mean we talked earlier about the cost of turnover is high but I also think the cost of keeping someone who doesn't want to be there is even higher yeah, that, that's very true. And when we talk about growth mindset, it's not just for the employee to have, it's also for the organization to have. Mm, yeah. um, and everyone can grow, not just the employee, but the organization as well. Because one of the things some organizations fail to see is that when they really support someone to find the next thing that they're supposed to be doing that is in alignment with their values, with their goals, you find that this employee, one, they can refer people back to the organization. Mm -hmm. They have great things to say. And if at some point they can also come back, I've been in organizations where people left, they were supported by their managers to try something new outside their organization and they came back. Yeah, I've done exactly that actually. (laughs) I I have a previous employer where I worked and I had really great progression there and I sort of hit a point where I was like, if I stay in this particular role, I'm going to be pigeonholed and that's not what I'm looking for. Um, and I was working in a student's union at the time um, and I was loving doing sort of liberation and equality and diversity work, but I had I'd reached a bar and I didn't want to become a general manager of a student's union. I didn't want to become a senior leader in that particular field. I really wanted to expand on my EDI and mm-hmm. um, workplace knowledge and Mm -hmm. so I moved to a HR team at a different Mm -hmm. university and became an EDI officer there and that opened up so many possibilities Mm. for me and I ended up going to another employer but then eventually ended up circling back round to a manager role at 
back at the original um, organisation because I had loved the work they were doing and actually mm -hmm. saw some of the things that I had worked with students on implementing and asking the university for starting to come to fruition mm -hmm. and it was so wonderful like what was about four or five years later to circle back to that organization and be involved in implementing some of those things that mm -hmm. I had been involved in the very like initial conversations of mm -hmm. and so yeah like it's really important I think for employers to sort of um not leave you on sour mm -hmm. like on sour grounds yeah it's 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 usually a challenge because they, they just feel so threatened by people's growth but people's growth just mean that like like we said about productivity they're bringing so much more to the table and even if their growth means that they leave there's always a potential that they come back or they refer people or they come back in different capacities even if mm. it's board advisory capacities yeah. even if it's being a client you know like it's 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 important for organizations to always support people to grow and also have a growth mindset of their own as well. Yeah. I'd never thought about companies having alumni before, but I think that's kind of how it works, right? Some some of the big four do have alumni yeah. and really, really invest in their alumni networks. Yeah. I don't mean I don't want to name names on the podcast, but yeah, yeah some 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 of the big four management consulting companies really that would invest make sense, in that. especially if you're a kind of organization that's investing so much in graduate training. Mm -hmm. and building those skills you may not hold on to all of those people mm -hmm. but them loving having loved the experience that they've had with you having felt that they have had like a joyful time and a, like a, a time where they've been able to grow and develop as you know employees and as individuals then yeah like why wouldn't you want to keep hold of that relationship and why wouldn't you want to foster the possibility of them yeah like referring people in or coming back or just speaking really highly of you like mm -hmm. I think that's um of benefit to sort mm -hmm. of any business to have that sort of mindset yeah I agree with you 100% of that um so thinking a bit more about if people are listening to this podcast, what they could be doing as employers or leaders to build joy at work and to think about sort of well-being and psychological safety, if you've got any sort of ideas or hints and tips that we can yeah. share. Um, first of all, let's talk about what is actually psychological safety. I mean, we hear it a lot. And um, a definition was coined by a Harvard Business School professor, Amy Edmondson. And it is really people's ability to take risks um, to speak up to share their opinions without fear of reprimand mm. um, and psychological safety has there's been a ton of research that tied to um, improved well-being improved happiness um, for employees as well uh, that's, that's tied to innovation uh, creativity as well within the organization and psychological safety is really important especially when you have a diverse pool of individuals mm. um, because not everyone is the same. And if people don't feel a certain level of psychological safety, they would always feel like they have to fit in. And that goes against the psychological need of belonging and esteem and really feeling unique and valued. Um, so you're, if you're not meeting your psychological safety needs for your team, you're basically canceling out all the other things we've spoken about, which are the basic needs that people need to actually be their best and, you know, contribute their best to the teams. Um, so psychological safety is a, is a very deep psychological need. One important thing that leaders can do for psychological safety is really honing open communication. Um, it's not very easy because sometimes leaders don't feel 
courageous enough and vulnerable enough to hear the hard stuff. Um, but psychological safety is also about leaders building courage um, and daring to lead and really just allowing themselves to be vulnerable to hear the hard stuff. Yeah. And until you break that wall of hearing the hard stuff and actually allowing people um, disagree with you in a very respectful way and sharing their opinions no matter how different it is from yours mm. um, until you're able as a leader to drop your ego aside and truly embody what leadership means which is acceptance of other people understanding other people's uniqueness and giving them a voice open communication is something you're always going to struggle with as a leader so it, it has a lot of layers but open communication is one great way to get people to really share their creativity it's it leads to innovation so if you really want your team to outperform and to really meet your performance goals and to really meet your targets or things like that you this is something you just have to do you have to find a way to be a better leader you have to find a way to foster that sort of open communication and you have to lead by example yeah. As a leader, you have to bring yourself first. You have to show vulnerability. Mm -hmm. You have to show courage. And you have to risk failure. These words are not mine. They're from the great Brené Brown. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but th this is something I've really learned from her, from her teachings and from her research, really. But I've seen it work. Like, mm. in my personal experience, time for a personal story, um, one of the things I'm currently having living my best joy at work moment at the moment and a huge testament to that has been my manager's leadership of the team and the fact that she's always shown up in a very vulnerable way and she's always been very courageous with us and I joined the team at a very 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 difficult time in my life I had just lost my mom I had just you know moved to a new country as well and given everything that I was feeling, I was doing the best with what I could. Yeah. Which was literally all of these obstacles I was facing. That was what I had. Mm. <laughs> and so I had to make the best out of it. Yeah. Um, and every time I would get so scared that I made a mistake or um, I just didn't deliver something I was supposed to deliver in a particular way. And every time that happened, she would always show up with her own humanity and some of the mistakes she's made again maybe she misgendered someone or um she you know didn't communicate to the team first before something went outside of the team but there were just some examples she would give that showed a lot of vulnerability and yeah. gave me the courage to also be kind to myself and speak out regardless. Um, and we would be together in the team and would really challenge each other's ideas. You know, there was no, oh, it's my idea, don't criticize, oh my goodness, yeah. no. So we felt like we were one team and each person was responsible for helping an idea come to life. And if that involves you actually challenging that idea because you're responsible for it coming to life, then do so um, and so that's been a very strong case of her leading by example or me experiencing a leader who's led by example and I've seen that firsthand really translate into my own personal joy at work and seen that happen for other people within the team as well that's fantastic and it's like 
it's not necessarily an easy skill to develop. I think like the point that you made around letting go of ego is so essential. And I think it's like realizing that you don't have to be perfect as a manager mm-hmm. and that you don't expect your like people that you line manage to be perfect and that mistakes will happen at work Mm -hmm. and failure is inevitable and sometimes it should be celebrated because it's Mm -hmm. like what we didn't put the 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 bad thing out like if you find if you spot a mistake early on well done (laughs) right like pointing those out and saying this isn't going to work that's actually um of benefit to the final end mm-hmm. goal, right? Whether that's a program product or like service, or whatever you're providing. But being able to see those mistakes and those problems and have the creative like approach to addressing those challenges early on is going to create a better thing in the future anyway. So this idea of like everyone needing to bring their like best finished product to something like really early on in stages is just um, it's a bit of a, a false dichotomy and it, it for me it just doesn't feel um like a space in which you can learn and you can mm-hmm. grow and I think yeah if you're not in a space where you can learn and grow how do you access mm-hmm. that joy mm-hmm. yeah and even managers and leaders need to also understand that it's also growth right it's not you're not going to get it right from the bat you're not going to get that high psychological safety for your team immediately especially if you've not had time to practice that skill Mm. over time being a new manager is difficult it's like you were once responsible for your work as an individual contributor you didn't have to care about anyone else's psychological safety and all you did was show up one day and now you're in charge of say two three people or more and you have to make sure that they're being productive and you have to make sure that they feel safe and you have to, you know, it can be overwhelming, but there is a growth curve and it might be very steep. It might be very uncomfortable. Just imagine learning how to drive and Mm. how very nerve wracking it can be until it gets to that place where it's like um, subconscious competent, right? And where it just feels easy and then, you know, it flows, but, it's a learning curve and managers should also learn to give themselves that self-compassion um, but growth mindset is what makes you not get complacent growth mindset is what makes you realize that there is opportunity for growth every time you slip um, and then be open to feedback that's another yeah. thing sometimes you actually need to seek that feedback and that's what managers need to do more often because sometimes power dynamics gets in the way of managers receiving feedback from yeah. their direct reports and if as as i mean for me if i'm not leading a team i already expect i'm going to get feedback anyway from my manager that's what one wants are for mm. but i don't think managers should expect that feedback will come naturally to them and so that intentionality in seeking that 360 degree feedback even in ad hoc ways without it being the actual structured performance review time for the company, just managers intentionally finding ways to, you know, ask, oh, you know, how do how did I do with this? You know, am I being too prescriptive on this? You know, yeah. should I have approached this a different way? So it's it's also important for managers to grow in that way. Yeah, and actually what I was thinking around the three sixty degree feedback as well is that 
our work relationships aren't always linear. Mm -hmm. Like we don't necessarily just work with our line managers. We work it across teams. We work in projects. We work with different managers. We work with clients. We work in with customers. You know, we work with all sorts of different um, people. And so, actually, being able to share that feedback and in multiple directions. So, being a, a skill that I think everyone should learn, whether you're a line manager or not, is like the art of giving feedback and the mm -hmm. art of receiving feedback right mm -hmm. um because without that really like we are going to stagnate and and also our like spidey senses start to tingle right like if mm -hmm. you know there's something wrong mm -hmm. but no one's really telling you mm -hmm. it starts setting off all of these kind of you know sometimes very like valid but sometimes perhaps maybe a bit of paranoia mm -hmm. around like what's wrong and you start creating your own narratives and stories in your own mind and actually and it's so much easier if someone like gives you that direct feedback and makes it really clear like what the challenges might be and how you can address them because without that you're just sort of searching in the dark for an answer or solution and it can that can really impact on your workplace relationships yeah i think that also ties very closely to the power of self-reflection and how that is also a very important way to actually um, understand our work values and our values generally and how it ties to our well-being and experience and joy at work. Mm. Um, Self-reflection just gives us that moment to really just pause, take stock, take inventory um, and even if that means seeking feedback from other people and asking them what's going on, performing our own personal assessments, um, doing there's so many tools for leadership potential performance assessments as well mm. out there for you to actually know how are you performing right now? Um, what do you need to do to actually improve? What are your potential? Um, what are your psychological traits and capabilities and potentials? There's so many tools out there um, that managers can explore to also help them understand where they are. But the power of self-reflection is really just pausing and taking a break and really just taking that pause and time to really reflect because sometimes work, especially I work in the banking sector and financial services can be really, they always needed something like yesterday. It's it's never like, it's, everything is always due. <laughs> everything, if you, you ask someone, what is the deadline for this? And they're like, well, I mean, we're already late, but I can, I can give like another week. And you're like, why are you bringing it to me now if it's been due by like a week ago? Um, so everything, people are always running, chasing for something. I mean, mm. it's, 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 it's an industry where joy at work should be pursued so, so deeply and so vigorously. Um, and it's hard to actually take a pause. Uh, I felt like I was personally on autopilot for months. Mm. Like, I, I just did not feel like I was in the driver's seat. I just felt like I was functioning but not really in not control. Thriving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it happened for a long time on, until I took my vacation, which I then had to like have out three days out of that vacation to just really reflect and like do like a personal retreat. Um, so sometimes that's what people really need. It doesn't have to happen once every year because I think that's too too long a gap. But finding small ways to incorporate self-reflection in your daily routine, your weekly routine, your monthly routine. Mm. Um, and then you can leave the big chunks of time for like maybe biannual and stuff like that. Um, for managers, for everyone really, is a great way to assess where you are and what you need to start doing to get you closer to experience the joy at work. Yeah. I often take like 
you know the sort of personality trait exercises you can do for team building and I've done a lot of them and I've always enjoyed doing them I take them with a pinch of salt because I think we can live by the like well I'm an ENTJ like kind of you know <laughs> I'm not actually I can't remember what my Myers-Briggs profile is exactly because it's been a very long time since I've done it but you know the Myers-Briggs the Belbins the I can't remember what the one is with the four cut things with the I think it's the um yellow bean creativity and I remember I actually remember the moment um, of doing that and feeling like I'm not a creative person mm-hmm. and I got really like affronted by the outcome of it and I then learned to sort of actually take those sorts of exercises as a moment for self-reflection mm-hmm. as a moment to sort of say how do I operate in this particular sphere in this environment in relation to these people and like what does that mean and how do I, how do I want to change that as well because I don't think these things are like completely determinant right I think they are mm-hmm. like situational and momentary but there are other very strong uh, assessments that actually help you understand things like your strengths and your weaknesses, but not in terms of your personality, but mostly in terms of your capability, Yeah, which are very two different things. Yeah, your yeah. traits are sometimes, research shows that your traits are fairly consistent over time and don't necessarily change, um, but your capabilities can change. Yeah. Your capabilities can grow, they can be improved, Um, So there's been a lot of research and a lot of people who have contributed and made it their focus, like PSYCAP, um, to focus on those capability improvements over time and assessments. Mm. Um, So there are lots of assessments around your psychological capabilities, so things like your emotional intelligence, your resilience, um, your mental agility, your emotional agility, your persistence, and your ability to bounce back. So I think that's persistence and resilience as well. Um, There are also other types of um, psychological capability assessments like the Gallup strengths and weaknesses. And you can really think through, am I an executions person or am I a strategy person? And things like that can help you really understand why you're struggling so much with a piece of work and it's draining you. Mm. Um, It doesn't mean that you have to avoid the things that you're not so good at, but it gives you a development plan for your weaknesses. And when you have that level of clarity, you can have that conversation with your manager, you can have that conversation, you can set goals to either improve that or find the balance um, or even pursue your strengths more because really that may just be where you shine the most and that may just be what brings you the most joy. And personally, in my experience, like it also ties back to courage, right? And there are some projects I've been given to work on and I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm I'm going to do my best right now to deliver with the best to the best of my ability. Mm. But I know that this project is timed. I know that there is a time frame. And after that, I'm going to move on to somewhere, something else. And I need to have the courage to have that conversation and move on to that. Um, Because I know that's what's going to help me sustain the joy (laughs) that I feel right now. Um, So, yeah. It's so frustrating if you are stuck on a project that you feel that you aren't particularly like capable of doing that work and you can't articulate that or find the learnings and development in that. So I think I've had quite a few moments where I've realized that I am like a real ideas person and I like can generate loads of new ideas, but actually like seeing something through to final completion is such a massive challenge for me. And very recently actually I had that conversation with my line manager and I just was like, 
I'm going to be really honest, like, I, I thought I had not finished this piece of work, and when I looked back at it, it was 90% done, and I could have just sent it to you in that state, and I just sat on it for weeks, and then it felt like it's dragged, and I mm. felt like I haven't achieved, and, and you're right, like, circling back to joy, and you feel that joy when you get that sense of for me, I, I really enjoy that sense of completion, but for some reason struggle to get there. Mm. Um, and so acknowledging those challenges along the way and feeling safe and able to do that with mm -hmm. your manager is great. And I think, you know, being able to be honest with your line managers about what you feel you're capable of doing and what you feel is a success for you and what you feel is a challenge and, and then being able to like share that with your line manager um, is, is really important, isn't it? Yeah. And if the, the funny thing about this conversation is that you see how it all ties back. Mm. It all ties back to psychological safety, the role of the employer um, in also training their managers to be able to cultivate that psychological safety, leading by example, um, allowing space for feedback, open communication, while supporting uh, your your line, your report, direct reports to actually be the best that they can be as well. So it all ties together. Joy at work is not just the responsibility of the employees or is it just the responsibility of the employers it is really the responsibility of everyone involved all of the stakeholders involved mm. the employer the employee the manager um, and at the end of the day joy at work also demands self ability to self-reflect it demands vulnerability it demands courage for us to build the level of safety that we actually need and to be able to speak up and advocate for ourselves I think that's all we have time for today, but thank you so much. It's been a really interesting conversation. I've loved talking with you about how we find joy at work, how we as individuals foster that and find that, how we have, as line managers, have responsibilities for creating psychological safety, allowing people to have a growth mindset and really understanding like what those basic needs are in order to create that environment. So yeah, thank you. It's been great speaking to you. It's been great speaking to you too. I really enjoyed the conversation as well. Thank you for tuning into this episode of The Culture Shift. We hope you found it insightful and informative. We really appreciate your support and value your feedback. So if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, share your thoughts, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button to stay updated on when we release new episodes. If you're interested in our other content or how Culture Shift can help your organization, check out our YouTube channel, website, or drop us a message. And I'll see you next time.